This is Wilson from F3 Dayton with your weekly QSource topic, where we review a chapter of the QSource while also hearing a classic episode of the 43 Feet podcast featuring Dread and Dark Helmet. This week's topic from the book is Q3.9, Commitment, Unwavering Loyalty to the Group and Unflinching Determination to Accomplish Its Mission. The wife of a not-too-distinguished French writer once asked famous French poet, Francois Coupé, to, s'il vous plaît, support my husband's candidacy for a place in the French Academy. Vote for him. He'll die if not elected, she said. Coupé agreed, but the writer failed to win. Not long after, another position opened up, and the same wife asked Coupé once again to vote for her husband. He replied, Ah, no, I kept my promise, but your husband did not keep his. I consider myself free of any obligation. A promise is a form of commitment. While it's true that nothing binds us one to another like a promise kept, nothing divides us quite like a promise broken. Dredd's first main point, loyalty requires abandonment of self. Commitment is the second of the five F3 leadership virtues, the habits and ethics of moral excellence. Commitment has two components, unwavering loyalty to the group and unflinching determination to accomplish the group's mission. The former is focused more upon the group as an entity and the members that comprise it, while the latter concerns the purpose for which it was formed. Because he is committed, the virtuous leader is both loyal and determined. Loyalty is firm and constant support and allegiance manifested through the subordination of one's own well-being to the prosperity of the group. A loyal person puts the interest of his group and the needs of its members before his own. In his decision-making, he is concerned first with the impact a course of action will have on the group and only secondarily upon himself. His relationship with his group and its members is that of a fiduciary in that he is charged with a special duty of trust that obligates him to safeguard his prosperity in everything he does. Second, determination requires bold will to action. Unwavering loyalty to the group is only one half of commitment. The other half is unflinching determination to accomplish its mission. While loyalty manifests itself most often in the things a man won't do, Determination is measured by the things he will and does do. Loyalty without determination may be virtuous, but it is not commitment, and it is commitment that is an essential leadership virtue. Ulysses S. Grant was the fourth commanding general of the U.S. Army during the Civil War. His immediate predecessor was Henry Halleck, whose nickname was Old Brains. Not entirely a compliment. Due to its inherent caution and focus on administration and planning, President Lincoln called Halleck little more than a first-rate clerk. Frustrated by his inability to end the war, as he had been with the two men who had preceded Halleck, Lincoln replaced him with Grant in March of 1864. Recognizing that victory required nothing less than the destruction of the Confederate Army, Grant immediately invaded Virginia and met Robert E. Lee head-on in some of the bloodiest battles of the entire war. After twice being fought to a draw by Lee's much smaller force, Grant, unlike his predecessors, 
declined to return to Washington to lick his wounds and reorganize. Instead, he tersely advised Lincoln of his intentions to press on against Lee. I propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer. And he did, despite horrific casualties that earned him the label of the butcher by the press, Grant boldly pressed on with unflinching determination to surround Richmond and destroy the will of the Confederate Army to continue the fight. Lee surrendered less than a year later. Finally, mission first, men always, with love. To the unvirtuous leader, there is a contradiction between loyalty and determination. He cannot see how a leader can provide for his men's welfare and accomplish the mission if accomplishing his mission puts his men in harm's way. To resolve this apparent conundrum, the ineffective leader chooses men over mission by asking nothing of them, like Halleck seeking to not lose the war. In contrast, a merely effective leader nods in pretense to the care of his men in search of the personal aggrandizement attendant to victory. Neither is the path of the committed leader. He alone understands that the tension between loyalty to the group and the determination to accomplish its mission forms the paradox of commitment that confronts all leaders. The virtuous leader resolves the paradox by prioritizing mission accomplishment above everything else while always taking care of his men. Mission first, men always. With that as an overview, Here's the substantive portion of a classic episode of the 43 Feet Podcast with Dread and Dark Helmet talking about commitment. Question. <laughs> you know what I'm begging for? Let me just stop talking. Roll the it. open. Hey, let's roll the open. Hey, good idea. And, and we're, we're back. back. Very good. You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front. But that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers. And I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. Now we're up to the substantive portion. It's time to get substantive. This is commitment. It is. Which is in the third quadrant. It is. It's part of the lead, right? Right? Indeed. Uh, which is the practice of virtuous leadership. It is the Q3.9 if. If you happen to be following along in our idiotic numbering system. We certainly hope you are. We now, the be. statement for commitment is an unwavering loyalty to the group and unflinching, unfl unflinching determination to accomplish its mission. Whew. Yes. Two, so there's two components there. Unwavering loyalty, mm -hmm. unflinching determination. Uh, and, and two different things. The group uh, yes. and the mission. We're going to unpack yeah. those. So thanks for foreshadowing that. No uh, problem. Darkest of all. So, part of what I'm here for. As always, there's three thought-provoking Socratics, and I will read them in order. First, is there anything a leader must surrender in order to be committed? Second, is there anything a leader must do to demonstrate commitment? Finally, what is more important, loyalty or determination? All right, let's start with the first spur, which is loyalty requires abandonment of self. And as darkest yeah. foreshadows for us, there are two parts to this unwavering loyalty to the group, unwavering loyalty and unflinching determination to accomplish its mission. Whereas the former, this is the loyalty is focused more on the group as an entity um, and, and less on the on the 
on the on the members that comprise it. The latter mm-hmm. concerns the purpose. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the first one is, yeah, I'm really loyal to this group. I really care about it. Whatever. You know. But what are you doing about it? Right. right. That's the that's right. the second half of it. All right. So loyalty. Let's unpack that. That's a defined term in uh, Q source. It's a firm and constant support and allegiance manifested through the subordination of one's own well-being to the prosperity of the group. That in itself has a couple terms we would have write down. Subordination means putting yourself second, right? Mm-hmm. Those of you who are in banking or in the legal field recognize the word subordination because <laughs> we enter into subordination agreements. Mm-hmm. Got one sitting on my desk right now to look at. It just means you are going to forestall or, or not enforce a particular right you have right. for the benefit of another. Now, you, that can be done for consideration. You receive something from it or it can be done just because you think it's the right thing to do. That's what the loyalty is. It's gratuitous subordination. Yeah, it's doing it because it. it's the right thing to do. That's right. It's the right thing to do. All right. Now, prosperity. And that's what is good for right. a group. Right. We've talked Advantage. about that before. Exactly. Now, uh, throw another legal word at you, but you've heard it a lot. Fiduciary. Yes. Fiduciary. Loyalty is seeing yourself as a fiduciary, right? That you're charged with a special duty of trust obligates you to safeguard the prosperity of the group and everything you do. And we hear that a lot with uh, like financial advisors or right. you know in, in the in the financial field right. a lot, right? Irony, uh, not the Alanis Morissette variety, but irony, true irony, <laughs> like, like actual irony. Like firehouse burns down. <laughs> being the unexpected outcome kind, being what it is. Uh, one of the claims in uh, my trial this week that I was defending was breach of fiduciary duty. To establish that first, you got to establish a fiduciary duty, and uh, that was the plaintiff's problem. In my case, is he could not do, do it. it. My client did not owe a special duty of trust. In fact, most people in society don't. Only ones who have elected to take that on themselves? How does that work? There's some uh, roles, like uh, I have a fiduciary duty to my clients. Right. Um, Doctors have a fiduciary duty to their patients, accountants probably. Sure, I would think. The farther away you get away from that, the less likely it is to be. But those would be kind of what we would call lay down fiduciary duties. Like it's obvious. You don't even have to discuss it. Other types of of duties, uh, like a bank does not owe a fiduciary duty to a borrower. Hmm. It, uh, so the president of the bank owes fiduciary duty, perhaps to his shareholders, but, okay. but not to a borrower. They're in adversarial positions, although most people don't see it that way, which is what keeps me busy. All right, now <laughs> to be loyal, a man must be obedient, right? To what? Well, he must be willing to submit to a higher authority within the group. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he's if he's not willing to be obedient, then um, you know. It doesn't do him much good. He can't be loyal. Well, I would say then he, he turns into one of those guys like we talked about last week. Yeah, right? very much like so. Either a toxic or a kimono or something it's, like that. That's what happens. You yeah. have to be thorough, thoroughly, thoroughly mm-hmm. obedient to the governance. Governance being that people who are charged with administrative power of the group right. by voting or fiat. Uh, if I am an American, which I am, and I want to be loyal, and I've got to be loyal to whoever's running the show. Whether you voted for him or not. Whether I voted for him or not. Doesn't mean I have to shut my mouth when I hear something I don't like. No. But I still have to be obedient. If I can't be, if I can't submit to the governments of a particular group, I only have two virtuous choices. One is to stay and be a member of the loyal opposition. Right, say I. Sure. Right, loyal opposition. We used to use that word, those words a lot. We don't anymore because our political process is. Well, we don't believe in that anymore. It's gotten corrupted. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of a weird thing, but it, it's, it's, I don't understand. You know, I was a uh, man as the, a man, uh, being a man of the right, I did not agree with President Obama's policies. Right. But it was easy for me to understand he was President of the United States. And sure. I was a member of the loyal opposition, I suppose. Okay. Although what I was opposing mostly was his words, because actually, in my opinion, he didn't do much. 
Fair. Right? I mean, so uh, that's one choice. The other choice is you must depart. Yeah. You know, find you a new group. Find a new place to go, man. You don't get to stay and uh, oppose, not not with words, but oppose with actions mm-hmm. and be disobedient, disobedient, um, because basically you're a thug. Yeah. Well, you're a toxic. You're getting, you're you're, yeah, you're, right. you're actively seeking at that point to tear down the the uh, the institution. You're a you're a brigand. Yeah. You're a brigand, right? Um, now there's an exception to that. And that is when when the governance exceeds its, uh, its authority, sure. its legal authority. And then you could argue that you have an opposite obligation, and that is to oppose it uh, with all due force. And that would be American Revolution would be an example. Of that. Yeah, yeah. And if yeah. you read the writings of the uh, founding fathers, they were were reluctant, but felt like the the uh, rights of, of a freeborn Englishman, which they believed that they had, mm-hmm. were being abrogated by the Parliament illegally, and they fought back, and they came. And they fought back. But that, you know, their writings, if you read them, show great conscience and thought through. Mm-hmm. And of course. Yeah, it wasn't like, you know, we're tired of doing this. Let's just yeah. go. Yeah. Continental Congress uh, was a deliberative body that did what I believe Congresses should do, unlike our own. <laughs> they actually de- debated, you know. And, <laughs> well, they uh, didn't have Twitter then. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> they had all forms of Twitter, though, right? So, yeah. you know, they actually, <laughs> That's true. They, actually, they actually debated, reached consensus, and decided what to do as a deliberative body. And then... You stayed as a loyal uh, opposition. That's right. Yeah, but a little more than a loyal opposition. Now you're a loyal. You're you're not. So in the loyal, a loyal opposition. Yeah, I, so this is kind of a fine, you know, distinction. You know, uh, if you're if you raise an army and try to overthrow the government, it's mm-hmm. a little bit more than. <laughs> right, I mean, I, you, I meant uh, sorry, <laughs> I meant amongst themselves, right? Yeah, so okay. They, can, like yeah. the they, they might have debated and, and disagreed on exactly how to get there, but they reached some kind of consensus, and then the guys that elected to stay in the Congress stayed. Yeah, they might not have agreed, but they went forward with the mission. So let's talk about determination. Let's do it because we've talked a bit about loyalty. All right, that's the other half of this idea, which is the unflinching determination to accomplish the group's mission. Loyalty mm-hmm. on its own, right? Without Determination may, may be virtuous, right? But it's not commit. It's not committed, right? I mean, to be loyal, but not be committed to doing anything doesn't really avail you <laughs> much. And the example I use of this is uh, of Ulysses S. Grant in uh, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was the fourth commanding general of the U.S. Army during the Civil War. Uh, his immediate predecessor was Henry Halleck, who was nicknamed Old Brains. Probably wasn't a compliment. <laughs> Henry Halleck was uh, <laughs> was was loyal. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that he wasn't, but he wasn't committed. Yeah, I mean, he basically was out to not lose the war. Right. And so, by the time uh, U.S. Grant gets appointed as commanding general of the U.S. Army, um, the South has Confederacy is more or less stalemated. Uh, in fact, you know, has taken it into United States territory uh, at Gettysburg. So they've made it. You know, the, really, the, the, at that time, the United States had really not made much headway, at least in that part, in that front. Mm-hmm. They had made headway in the Mississippi, and that's because that's where Grant was. Mm-hmm. So Grant gets, gets, he gets transferred east because uh, Lincoln, we can make headway over here. Lincoln yeah. can see his determination. Anyway, he does what his predecessors all do is he launches a campaign into Virginia into what's called the wilderness. It's happened, you know, multiple right. occasions. You know, it's... Uh, Lee, because he's a wily old uh, treasonous devil, gets to jump on him, comes up behind him, all that stuff. And where in the past, um, 
previous generals had retreated, Grant, northern generals had retreated, Grant did not. Um, he kept on fighting. He um, telegraphed, uh, Lincoln, a very uh, famous telegraph, very terse statement, which he just said, I propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer. And mm -hmm. he had lost a lot of men. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the bloodiest battles of the war happened right in that very short time frame. Mm -hmm. Grant had a huge army. Lee had a much smaller army. Lee had uh, better subordinate leaders and knowledge of the terrain. But Grant was determined. Determined. He, he was determined. We ain't leaving. His predecessors, uh, Halleck being one of them, or McClellan, several others, uh, Hooker, you know, mm -hmm. Burnside, they lacked the determination. They lacked the bold will to action. That, and that's what it looks like. I, you know, I've gotten to the point in my life where I can, I can see between a man who has or does not have bold will to action. Yeah. What does it look like? Uh, it looks like uh, an uncompromising grit and piercing. I'm trying to try to cut the synonyms for determination mm -hmm. no, no. Uh, and commitment. Um, um, focus. On, on f accomplishing the mission, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, you see this in trials. I see trial attorneys all the time that are competent, but they're not. They're just trying not to lose. Yeah. You know, they're not thinking in terms Big of Big difference winning. between winning and not That's losing. That's right. And the, the more focused you are, the less, the less determined you are uh, to accomplish the mission, the more likely it is that you're going to talk more. Hmm. That's one giveaway to me. So a guy below the H, you know, just mm -hmm. keeps talking, talking, talking. He's looking to avoid the clash. You know the adversarial com, you know confrontation. He's hoping, mm -hmm. it, does, he's hoping it doesn't happen because he's not committed to it. It's a lack of uh, bold will, and uh, you know it's a kind of a surrender to the idea of not losing rather than winning. And in trial and in war, you can't win by just trying not to lose. No, you're not. <laughs> That's right. Bottom line: all this is determination requires bold action. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not about the business of bold action, you're not determined and, and you're not committed. You gonna make it right. All right. Third spur: mission first. Men always. Comma with love. So mission first, men always is something most people who have been yes. in the military or around the military. Or around it, or, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a very common uh, idea. Um, and what it what it is designed to do, men, mission first, men always is to provide a leadership resolution to the conundrum of the contradiction between loyalty and determination. If I'm loyal to my man, mm -hmm. I don't want to keep him alive and unhurt, but I'm determined to accomplish a mission. Well, if I accomplish a mission, I got to expose men to pain yeah. and death. That's determination, right? But if I'm loyal, then I don't want him to be exposed to pain. So how do you reconcile that? And first mission, our mission first mission always, right? This is what I, to me, this is the, or what we wrote in the Q source actually, is the paradox of commitment. Yeah. Right? It's, it's that tension between loyalty to the, to the group and determination to accomplish its mission. It just requires, it requires leadership to resolve that, not management. And, and, so you do your best to design your plan to protect your men as best as possible while still completing the mission. Right. Yes? You have to commit them to action. So to do your best. So here's some things Grant did. He provided his soldiers with the best equipment and training available. Mm -hmm. I mean, they far outpaced the mm -hmm. Confederacy in what they had. Men, training, you know, training and uh, material. So they had a lot of that. So they could best survive on the battlefield. He ensured the plans of the Army were carefully drawn out. So that mm -hmm. uh, they guarantee as little loss as as, as possible. Not no loss, because there's going to have to be, yeah, right? Yeah, that's just the way life is. Uh, but to maximize the reward with with the, the risk minimized. Mm -hmm. That's that's battle planning. Uh, during combat, Grant did not 
you know, stay miles and miles away from the battlefield. He stayed as close as he could feasibly without putting himself, uh, you know, in, in a position to get killed uh, un- unnecessarily. But mm-hmm. he did that so that his uh, decision-making could be as rapid as possible. So, like, you know, in a, in a time, you know, in those times there were telegraphs, but they couldn't get them set up to, to talk to the guys in the, you yeah, know, in the front, right? Yeah, it wasn't like a cell tower. Right, so yeah. they, they communicated with messengers. Mm-hmm. So, you know. He wanted to be as close right. to those guys. So the guy, you know, brigade commander's on the field. He's like, send this message back to General Grant, ask him what we do. The guy rides back there, sees if he can find him. They got to write a message, comes back. By the time he comes back, situation's changed. So the farther that line of communication mm-hmm. is, the, the, the less likely that the, the decision-making will be rapid and effective. So he put himself as close as he could. Right. So those are some things that Grant did. Unlike Halleck, he was willing to uh, commit his men mm-hmm. and have them face uh, death and injury. Um, Halleck wasn't willing to do that, but as out of a kind of an, a um, misguided notion that keeping them safe was more important than the mission yeah, itself, yeah. which the men didn't even want. Yeah. You know, Grant <clears throat> respected them enough to. Uh, try to win the war. And that's what's tough, I guess, right? So if the mission is important enough and the guys are bought in enough on the mission, then really you're not doing them any favors by keeping them safe. Because you might keep them safe now in the short term, but eventually eh, you're not doing, you know, it's going to be a problem. You know, it's that old um, adage, which I I can't cite to who said it now, but it reminded me of it, is that if you trade uh, security for freedom, you'll have neither. Yeah. No, freedom security. If yeah. you trade freedom, freedom for security, security yeah. you'll, have, you'll end up with neither. Yeah. Um, which is kind of something we're facing right now, right? Yeah. My alarm just 43 minutes. <gasps> What's going on? All right. How so about that? We're, get, we're, we're getting close. Little, yeah, we're getting close. All right. Now, I'll just use one more little story that applies to this. So everybody's like, oh, it's all about war. So, it's about, <laughs> so take Vince Lombardi, right? Sure. It's, well, it's war or football. You pick. But right. yeah. Vince Lombardi um, took care of his men. Right? Sure. But the mission was to win. Right. Sometimes to win, he had to black Tahoe a guy, right? Yeah. And and place him with a better player, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he was pretty successful at that. If you get if you recognize that in the uh, ten years or so that he was coaching the Green Bay Packers, he won seventy five percent of his games. That's a lot of games. Three consecutive NFL championships. Yeah. Pretty pretty amazing yeah. stuff, right? Um, that price to win, right, to sacrifice individual players at a time. Um, that's how he resolved the paradox of commitment, right? Mm-hmm. So he had a funny little statement, which I'm just going to read uh, verbatim. I wrote down, he said, mm-hmm. Vincent Marty said, I don't necessarily have to like my players and associates, but as their leader, I must love them. Love is loyalty, love is teamwork. Love respects the dignity of the individual. That is the strength of any organization. Dignity of the individual, in this case, being you're, you're going to play because you're the best chance we have to win. Mm-hmm. And he, he may not even like the guy, but he loved him. That's the key is that love part. Without love, without love, the paradox of commitment cannot be resolved. Yeah. You've got to love. I mean, if you don't love him, you know, all the love. There won't be any movement. There won't be any movement. So yeah. that's, that's the critical. I'm just going to summarize what you don't usually do, but I'm going to do it now because we talked for a while. Three spurs uh, of this uh, mm-hmm. Q point are loyalty requires abandonment of self, determination, requires bold will to action and mission first men always would love yeah um all those things are are absolutely critical you know commitment's a funny thing uh dark helmet mm-hmm. when you ask me how can you how can you see it yeah in a man let's say a man who is committed would say my hands are steady my eyes are clear and bright my walk has purpose my steps are quick and light i hold firmly to what i feel is right like a rock. <laughs> is that how that works? You know, Franklin? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you got a face for radio. 
Uh, and even after all this time, it's still a podcast. It is. It is. My hands were steady. My eyes were clear and bright. My walk had purpose. My steps were quick and light. And I held firm to what I felt was right. Like a rock. Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front. Let's go.